0: Hello and welcome to another episode of the ArsBlog 20 podcast series, in which we celebrate 20 years of Arse Blog by talking to a guest about a calendar year of the site's existence between 2002 and 2022. This episode brings us to 2011, and my guest to talk about all that went on is Philippe claire Hi, Philippe. Hello, Andrew. Hello to you. How well do you remember 2011? very badly <laughs> it's a right <laughs> like most things
1: but but it's it's one of those funny things it's um, it's a bit like uh, taking um, a photograph album mm. and you open it at random you think oh I was there oh I did that <laughs> and then it comes back to you and you think actually that was rather busy because we uh, full disclosure 2011 wouldn't have been my first choice mm mm and people might wonder, well, what exactly happened in twenty eleven? And the answer is actually when you think back, an awful lot of very important things happened in twenty eleven. That is some very Some beautiful true. things and some horrible
0: things too. That is nice. true. That's true. So um where are we gonna start in this well, January, I year? Okay. Well wherever you like. <laughs> what's what's the first thing you've you've uncovered? What has your photo album brought back?
1: Well, um something honestly I didn't remember that, but that the beginning of the year 2011 i mean was it was an extraordinary roller coaster i think you've got to take january and february in a way um together because okay on one hand you know after a i mean the, the, that that particular season which started okay but nothing nothing absolutely fantastic but we were you know top four and so forth but starting you know i mean around christmas and of course from first january 2011 I mean, there's there's a fantastic series of unbeaten game in in the league, mm. um, which takes us all the way to twenty four of April, which is you know, a very long unbeaten run in the league, and which actually at one point uh, puts us really in one civil middle position. And uh, we think, you know you actually we're doing really well considering, you Know the kind of team we have, the kind of uh, money we have at our disposal, and mm. so forth. You think that and you think, okay, well, actually, you know, uh, it went pear shaped, and we'll go back to that uh, a bit later in the season. At least we had a good time, but then you realize, wait a minute, 2011 that's also, um, that defeat against uh, Birmingham City in the League Cup final mm. in February, mm. which happens only. Uh, a matter of less than two weeks after perhaps one of the greatest moments in in Arsenal's modern history, which is the game against Barcelona at the Emirates. So it's it was a very strange, very very strange indeed, um, kind of um, kind of year, and start to the year. Yeah, because it was it, also it's very odd because some of it you think we were playing beautiful football. Uh, we have this young team, uh, Andre. You know, one a player that I absolutely love, Andre Arshavin is showing what he can do. Mm. We're beating some big guys. Uh, we're we're having some really decent results. We're we're beating Stoke, which is lovely. We're, we're doing all this sort of thing. We're doing what's expected of us, and and we're doing really well in Europe. And at the same time, you've got this. Um, what happened? What's happening in the League Cup, which is. I mean, there should be alarm bells because I don't know if you remember that, but we lost the um, first leg of the semi against Ipswich.
0: That's right, and I, I do. Nicholas Bentner scored some goals in the, scored a good goal in the goal return, in the, in the, the return, return leg, leg. Yeah, yeah.
1: And and then the final, mm. and and I, which I remember very well. Um, I, I was there at Wembley, and it was a horrible day. It has to be said, it was one of the most horrible days <laughs> that I've lived through, as because you thought. Oh, at, at last we're going to
0: win win a League Cup. That would be nice. Yeah, the trophy drought, which was yes, six, seven years in. And it was a thing at that point. People were talking about the trophy drought and how long it had been since Arsenal won a trophy. And, and you looked at that final, and with all due respect to Birmingham, you, you expect Arsenal to win, even if, I think, just before in that win over Stoke, we lost Cesc Fabregas to an injury, which was yeah. not ideal. No,
1: um, but still... Um, had the squad had the team and to be honest um, when Robin um, scored the equaliser at Wembley you really thought that was that you know that mm. was you know we, we'd, we'd go on and, and win the game and, and that was not the case and there's this horrible goal at the 89th minute Ugh. I mean a very bad mistake yeah. defensive mistake and Obafemi oh, Martins it is
0: my goodness, and of course Van Persie got injured in the in the yeah he, uh, in he the game injured. as well. Yes, yeah, so, you know we lost. Yeah, I well, mean, it was an extraordinary build-up to that game as well because it wasn't long since the 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 ridiculous. And there's only one way of of categorising this game: um, the ridiculous four-four draw with <laughs> Newcastle when yes. we were. Four nil up after 26 minutes. It was unbe- we played unbelievable football and scored some brilliant goals. We were four nil up um, at halftime. Abu Dhabi was sent off. I think it was something that involved Joey Barton. I mean, it's not much of a stretch to <laughs> to, to, to think that he might have been a pest uh, of some description. Yeah. And then the ridiculousness of of conceding two penalties. And the late, late equaliser to Chek Yeah, Tio- Shek Shek Chioté. Chioté, yeah oh. which was
1: a goal that, you know, he, well, I mean, the late Chek Um mm. probably the, the greatest goal of his career. Sure. Imagine. And certainly in those circumstances, as yes, it was absolutely the only time that a, a team has ever squandered a four-goal advantage in the history of the Premier League, I believe. But um, so, yeah, we set <laughs> records that year. Um, yeah, I mean, and uh, it, the, the topsy-turvy nature of that, and you think, look at this, you know, you're losing, or you're losing, well, you feel like losing. You have this incredible game against Newcastle, um, the four-all draw. Mm. You've got um, the defeat uh, against uh, Birmingham City mm. uh, in the League Cup final. And sandwiched in between that, you've got one of the
0: all-time great Arsenal performances. It's true. The the two one um, win over Barcelona at the Emirates Stadium, the the sixteenth uh, of Feb, iconic, yeah. Andre Arshavin winner. I mean uh, Barcelona were uh, were ahead in that game, and this was David know, Villa. A, yeah, yeah, a very very good Barcelona side. Um, <laughs> yeah,
1: and and uh, we used to talk about iconic. It's also that that amazing shot of uh, Wojciech Chesney, uh celebrating uh, yeah. Arshavin's goal on his knees. Oh, that was beautiful, Pumping and honestly, it was it was one of the most. I think I, I was there that that night. I was actually commentating that game, and um, I'm afraid I lost a little bit of my. Of my gravitas, Your and impartiality, <laughs> and, uh, and uh, complete objectivity, when uh, when Andre scored that goal, passed by Nasri, if I'm not mistaken.
0: Yeah, what a break it was! And I
1: mean, what how, a break it was! How yeah. cu-
0: how could anyone? Uh, of an Arsenal disposition not celebrate that goal, even if they are supposed to be impartial and objective in a commentary position or whatever it was. When Andre Arshavin runs off celebrating a goal, pulls up his shirt to show a T-shirt of... Andre Arshavin I mean there's just something <laughs> so unbelievably Andre Arshavin about that with Nicholas Bentner beside him it's 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 amazing
1: and we mustn't forget as well the amazing goal that Robin scored just before that <sighs> yes. at, 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 uh, at the near post I mean it's just he whacked the ball so hard and the, the keeper was probably at fault a little bit I don't care it, it was hit hard and true and it's this moment as well i think it was one of those rare moments of communion between the um, the crowd at the stadium and and this particular team which was really putting the fans through the wrangler mm. more often than not and that particular night you felt that your faith was being rewarded that it was all worth it if we can live moments like that and share them with the players this is all worth it really and the noise and mm. when, when when Arshavin scored scored that goal my goodness I'll, I'll never ever forget it I have goosebumps thinking about it now yeah it, it really is. was one of those moments just like you know Thierry's goal in 2012 against Leeds United yeah. it's one of those those moments where honestly there that something happens um a kind of a a, a new dimension well not a new dimension but a kind of a, i don't know what you say that sass in in, in english but um sass. A, a conduit is open between the pitch and the stands and even beyond that the people in front of the, mm. in, of the televisions and there is this incredible moment of communion right and which is probably, I think, the, probably the, the highlight of that that calendar year. Um, and, um, yeah, what, what else to say? That, I, But nevertheless, um, just less than two weeks after that, we, we lose to Birmingham City in the League Cup final, yeah. from the sublime to the ridiculous, yes. in absolutely no
0: time. And then we need to talk, I think, about the second leg of this
1: oh, um, God, particular yes, we thing, do. because, look... Uh, I still haven't forgot, forgotten no, and forgiven
0: no well this was the Robin Van Persie sending off after 56 minutes
1: by Massimo Busaka, the oh, Swiss referee
0: remember the name very well uh, clearly <laughs> uh, <laughs> and at that point the game I think was 1-1 Um Yes, it is one all. Van yeah. Persie is sent off for those that don't remember. I'm sure people do, but we might have some um, fans, um, you know, who've come on board in the last decade or so who don't quite remember this as well. But Van Persie was put through. He was offside. He took a shot, and the referee gave him his second yellow card of the game for kicking the ball away, even though he's playing in front of 95,000 people at the camp now with whistles and jeers and all of that kind of stuff. It is un To this day, it is one of the most outrageous refereeing decisions I have ever seen and I know that football fans you know of all clubs will say there's a conspiracy or whatever Mm -hmm. and it might not necessarily be a conspiracy for you but if you were to suggest to somebody that certain clubs get preferential treatment in big European competitions to ensure that they make it uh, all the way to the end because they are box office and all of that kind of stuff despite their undoubted and uh, unquestionable quality and depth that they have as bar Barcelona did. Decisions like that lend a lot of credence to that outlook, in my opinion.
1: Uh, At least uh, to what you would call unconscious bias. Yes, at least. least. At least. This one was, I have to say, one of the best illustrations of that, because there is absolutely no way that had David Villa or Lionel Messi found himself uh, guilty of such an infringement of... Of the laws, mm. I very much doubt that Mr. Busaka would have shown a second yellow card and sent that player off. I very much doubt it. I think we can leave it at that, because even even with that, um, and this is where my memory is a bit confused. But I do think that after Robin was sent off. We had a chance to make it three-two. Nicholas Bentner. Nicholas Bentner. It was Jack mm. Wilshire. Um, yes, passing the ball to to Nicholas, and Lord Bentner missing. Uh, it was not a sitter because I've heard it described as it was not a sitter. It was a bad it first touch. It was a touch. very
0: good chance. Yeah, it was a good chance. He took a bad first touch and it got away from him. Whereas I think, with a good first touch, uh, yeah. you know, he had the finishing ability to to put that away for sure. And and they we would have gone through on on away on goals.
1: Yeah, on the way goals, absolutely, and um and Mr. Busaka would probably have been very disappointed. or oh, maybe not, maybe not. Let's not be too harsh on him. Um, but I mean, this two, yeah, this two-legged um, uh, encounter against Barcelona was uh, was absolutely, absolutely crazy. But so much in that that season was was crazy because uh, the return game uh, was on the eighth of March. I'm checking. You know, I'm mm. full disclosure. I have a Schedule of the because there's no way I could remember all of these things, of course, of course, not, of course, not. And um, we also had uh, yeah, I mean, not very, because we had the 4 4 against Newcastle, we had those crazy two legs, we had Birmingham, and then we had the crazy North London Derby as well. That yeah. was in April,
0: yeah, 3 3 yeah. White Heart Lane,
1: and and where we were leading 3 1 at one point in the first half, so yet again. Mm. Um, you know, uh, we we put ourselves in a position where we should have done better. And which, by the way, was a game which had a genuine importance in terms of the position in the league. Because coming back to that, in the league, at least we were consistent. They, they, you know, we were beating the teams we were supposed to beat a few draws along the way. But, but Arsenal uh, was in second position from the 23rd to the 32nd round that season. The 32nd.
0: It's crazy. When you look now, we had two wins from our last 11 games in the Premier League that season, which is ridiculous. I mean we had a, a number of draws um but we were beaten by Aston Villa, we were beaten by Stoke, we were beaten by Bolton. We yeah. you know there was some there were some poor results in there and you know And um, at the
1: same time we beat Manchester United.
0: Aaron Ramsey with the goal, I remember, yeah,
1: yeah. And uh, so again you've got a sandwich. So it's it, yeah, it's quite extraordinary. Um we win at Blackpool, a game by the way, which might be remembered for... Do, would you, do you know what, what it should be remembered for? Jens Lehmann? It's, absolutely. It's Jens' only game um, when he came back. That's yeah. the only game he played, because that's the other thing, is that amidst all that, we had injuries to Chesney, we had injuries uh, to uh, Lucas Fabianski, and Manuel Amunia got injured in the, in the, in the World Cup. So Jens, who'd been brought back, from wherever the lunatic asylum where he was probably <laughs> having some rest, uh, was brought back and actually kept, uh, you know, he didn't keep a clean sheet, but we won 3-1 that day. So we had that. Be- be- behind that, uh, just after that, uh, we-, we drew against Liverpool um, in an absolutely insane game. Oh. Uh, in- yes, you remember that one? yes. Which was nil-nil oh nil in the 98th minute. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, <laughs> and it finished one-all.
0: Philippe, we're going over a lot of stuff that feels like only Arsenal could ever do it—the four-four in Newcastle. I mean, it's like,
1: uh, what, How many minutes of extra of added time were played? Something like um, almost a quarter of an hour. Yeah. And and the two goals were scored from from the penalty
0: spot. It's I mean, crazy. this is this is just ridiculous we had we had uh, gone ahead through robin van Persie from the penalty spot mm-hmm. and um then it was was it emmanuel aboue made a foul and they uh, got yes. their own penalty, and-, and
1: and there was a lot. That there was quite a bit of a there was quite a kerfuffle at the time as well yeah. because it
0: took a long time to put the ball on the spot. Oh, I mean, it's it's ridiculous. I, I'm just looking back over my Ars blog uh, entry for that particular day, and the opening uh, line it? of the opening line of the uh, post says, "There is something wrong with this Arsenal team, <laughs> very wrong."
1: <laughs> <laughs> Which I think I think know. it's a line you
0: might have used a few times <laughs> Maybe over so. the years. Maybe so. I I mean, what a, what a crazy uh, game that was.
1: Yeah, and, and the thing is that, you know, w- w- as I said, you know, win Blackpool, draw against Liverpool in that crazy game, have another crazy game at White Hart Lane, then manage to lose against Bolton, and then suddenly the team that is second in the league, as you said, with this, you know, it seems incapable of, of winning against anybody, um, apart from Manchester United, of course, because it would have to be mm. a victory like that, uh, which also makes absolutely no sense. And we finish with uh, taking one point out of nine. And because of that, what happens? Well, we finished in fourth place, which means we have to play the preliminary round of uh, the Champions League for the following season. Yes. But honestly, but also, uh, you know, there, there is another thing which is very important at the end of this of this particular season, uh, which is what happens on 11 April. Mm-hmm. And uh, on 11 April, uh, we learn that somebody called Stan Krunker has bought uh, the, the shares uh, owned by Danny Fisman and Lady Nina Bracewell-Smith. Mm. So uh, a, a quiet year in the history of, of the <laughs> club. you know. And here I was before we talked, thinking, oh, you know, 2011, mm, what was it? Yeah, so this is when Stan... Arrives and takes control of yeah. uh, of the club as well. So
0: he he'd, he already had twenty nine percent at that point, and when Danny Fisman mm-hmm. and and Nina Bryce Smith uh, sold uh, his his shareholding, was boosted to sixty three percent. So that made him the majority shareholder by some distance. And there was, without going over the nuts and bolts of it again, there was a lot of toing and froing. I think in the background about you know what was going to happen because yeah. um, Danny Fisman wasn't well. And I think there was uh, an element of that to the decision uh, in order to to sell to Stan Kroenke because the option was um, Ali Sharuzmanov, which I think there was great opposition to uh, at board level. And yeah, I mean, it's a a momentous uh, moment in the history of the club because ultimately Kroenke ended up buying 100% of it, but it... it sort of solidified, as I've talked about in, in an earlier episode, it, it really solidified this Cold War at board level, at ownership level, even um, between Kronky and Usmanov, which would go on for years and years and years to nobody's benefit other than those two uh, gentlemen. You know, they saw their shareholdings increase in value massively. Um, Uzmanov, when he did sell in the end, made a very tidy profit on the shares that he had uh, purchased previously. So the beneficiary of that stalemate at ownership level was KSE, Stan Kroenke, and and Ali and it was to the detriment of the club and the way that the club was run.
1: Indeed, and um, and and also it's the moment when, and it, which is also very important when um the little people of arsenal um the little shareholders and there were a number of them Mm. it was not just a few people there were hundreds perhaps thousands of them realized that that's it they're going to have to sell they they have absolutely no choice they're going to and for these people it was extraordinarily important this link with the club the um they genuinely owned part of it but no 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 Mm. um as soon as he had reached that um, threshold in terms of ownership of the of the shareholding, um, he had to bid to buy up all the remaining shares, and so yeah. he did, and well, forced yeah. people to to sell off and and we are leading us to where we are now, and um, yeah. yeah, so um, it was a, a momentous um, a momentous month month of April. Um, yeah.
0: Um- We should move to the summer, I guess, because it was a fairly fucking momentous (laughs) summer as well. Yeah,
1: it was another quiet summer. Yeah,
0: yeah. I mean, looking
1: at the list of transfers, I thought, "Hello, (laughs) 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 did we actually do this? All of these things? I mean, which obviously starts with selling players because that's what we were. You know, we were. That was our specialty. I mean, Mm -hmm. we managed to hang on to Robin for another year, Um, but." Uh, that's the departure of Jesk, which exact wasn't exactly.
0: Uh, it wasn't a unexpected. No, sorry, it wasn't unexpected. No, it wasn't a surprise.
1: It wasn't a surprise. That's the
0: departure
1: of Samia Nasri to
0: Manchester City. Well, that wasn't a surprise either, given the way that was uh, playing out all summer long, because it wasn't just. Manchester City. It was. It looked like for a very long time that it was going to be Manchester United, and there were to- mm. There were stories, and I think very credible stories about meetings between Samir Nasri and Alex Ferguson, and all of that kind of stuff that was playing out in the background as well. Um, yeah. You know, and I mean, do you remember Arsene's quote about? I think it could have been on the preseason tour, and he said about Nasri and Fabregas, um, and I think in particular. Fabregas. But the idea that if, if I'm paraphrasing, but how can you be taken seriously if you sell these two players? Like, how can your ambition be? Uh, I can't remember yeah. the exact the, the exact quote, but I don't know whether that was to try and pressure the board, whether it was to try and put some emotional pressure on the player. I mean, Fabregas had some years on his contract. Nasri only had one year, so that was informing that particular scenario, and it looked like he was not going to... Um, sign a new deal. He claimed that Arsenal had failed to offer him a new contract in time mm-hmm. and that was part of why he wanted to go. But that idea that like, how can you be taken seriously as a football club if you let two talents like this go? How do you view those comments now in in um, quite a bit of hindsight?
1: Uh, with, with hindsight, I would, yes, um, go along with you and think that it was a, a means to... Um, for him to tell his board, and we have to remember as well, because the shareholding situation has changed. So the dynamics have changed. And I think he's also feeling his way in what is going to be his new relationship with the majority owner. Mm. So that's that's part of it. And um, uh, which he has previously, uh, because that's another quote for 2011. um I have worked with Stan Kroenke at board meetings over the past couple of years. I believe he has the best interests of Arsenal at heart. He understands the club's heritage and tradition and our ambition to run the club in a way which protect, pro- protects our long-term future. That's that's mm, uh, you know, quite interesting, isn't it? it? It's very interesting. So, yes, you can take those comments as, as part of the same, you know, almost strategy. So at least we want to find out exactly, in French we would say, with which source we're going to be served. And Eaton. yeah. Um, so and yeah, and and I think Arsene was just fed up of losing his best players, <laughs> year and after year after year, without being really able yeah. to um, to replace them. Because again, that time, I think when you did the accounts, even given the frenzy, even taking into account the frenzy of of, of purchases at the very end of the transfer window. More about it in a few seconds. But the um, net result of the uh, summer operations was um, a profit for the club of something like 23 million pounds, Mm. um, which, again, uh, is not um, the sign of a club that necessarily wants to compete uh, at the very, very top level, considering who you were up against, which is... Manchester United, which still has got Sir Alex Ferguson, uh, uh, a Manchester City, which now has got the Abu Dhabi money and is progressing, and the Chelsea, which is Chelsea, and the Liverpool, which is trying to get back to where they thought they should be, and so forth. And you think, hold on a minute, I've just sold—we've just sold two of our best players, as well as Gael Clichy and Emmanuel Ebwe, by the way. Yeah. And we are not really bringing anybody of that kind of dimension, of that kind of talent, experience, name it, you know. Um, so, yes, you have to ask yourself questions. And, uh, and we are, if, we, if we bring ourselves back to, the, to those times, uh, the questions were actually um, put in very sharp relief by our start to that season, which was catastrophic. I mean, I don't think there's much, there are many other ways. Um, we started with a draw at Newcastle in which I think Gervinho, for his very first, uh, one of our recruits, uh, was sent off, straight red card. Joey Barton involved again. Oh, uh, what a surprise. <laughs> uh, we collected a number of yellow cards as well on this occasion. Yeah, because the players we, we brought in, <clears throat> excuse me, to replace well not to replace uh but on lieu of Chess, Nazri we in Clichy we brought in Carl Jenkinson mhm uh we brought uh Javinho yes from, from Lille and we brought The Ox which was our um, star transfer uh biggest transfer of of the uh um the transfer market with uh, for
0: 12 million pounds and he was 17 yeah yeah
1: so and that was that and then uh, and then we lost at home against uh, Liverpool. I remember that game. That, uh, that game. With an own goal by uh, Aaron Ramsey. And another red card, this time to uh, to Frimpong for a second uh, yellow card offence. Mm-hmm. And then there is perhaps the nadir of, um, certainly of the year, in some ways, in terms of the performance, uh, which is uh, the... Uh, it hurts to say that, the 8-2 yeah. at Old Trafford, 28 August 2011. Another red car, this, the, another new boy, Carl Jenkinson, uh, when everything that could go wrong w- did go wrong, mm. with even Robin missing a penalty, which is something that is almost unheard of. Um, and at a time when perhaps, you know, it would have made it one-all. and But this being said, we were so disorganized at the back, it it was a catastrophic uh, performance, in which just that the club, the, the team liquefied, as it as it had liquefied, you know, in the one stick at Old Trafford um, a few years before that, but this was even worse.
0: Yeah, I mean the when you look at the the team that day, it was Jenkinson and Armand Traore um, at at fullback that mm-hmm. day. Traore, who was then sold. The day later to Queens Park Rangers, I think it was, and you know he he went through that game like a man who knew he was not going to play for the club mm-hmm. again. Um, was, you know Giroud was in at centre back. Giroud and Koscielny at centre back, and you had Rosicki, yeah. Ramsey, Arshavin, Cokalain in midfield, Van Persie and Walcott. But the bench was Ignasi Mikel, seventeen-year-old Oxley Chamberlain, uh, Henry Lansbury, uh, Ozier Cup, uh, Shamak, and, and Gilles Sunu. Um, so the, oh. the the lack of depth was you know, clearly what what um brought about that 8-2 defeat in in many ways but it's you know you have to look at the summer and you have to wonder did the takeover did the cronky thing did that inform the summer to such an extent that we were so disorganized, that we managed these situations so, so badly. Like we all knew Fabregas was going to leave. The world and his mother knew that Sesko was going to leave. The Nasri situation, it was obvious to everyone that he yes. was going to go. And I remember, you know, uh, a lot of people after the Liverpool game when he played and played quite well, going, well, look at him, what a great guy he is. He's He's played even though he knows he's going to leave. And it's like, well, he spent the whole summer flirting with other clubs and we're supposed to be happy now that he just did the bare minimum as a professional footballer. Um, But to allow the squad to get to the state that it was in, I, I have to believe that there is something about that summer that we're not aware of that there was a roadblock. It, it can't simply have been incompetence, because I don't think incompetence goes as far as explaining how you go to Old Trafford with that kind of a squad and end up losing 8-2. I, I really firmly believe yeah. there has to be a story of that summer that is yet to emerge that will go, um, not to excuse it, but to explain it. At the time... um all
1: the transfer decisions would have been taken by Arsene, basically, with, obviously, the um, assent of, of the board in terms of the uh, the monies involved. Mm. Um, but I might be wrong, and I'm sure that the um Ars-casters will clarify it or contradict it, but I do not remember us being linked to any players of the calibre of Nasri or a uh, Fabricas during no. that summer. I can't remember it.
0: No, neither can I.
1: And um which is you know a little bit odd because you know it's football is very gossipy. We'd have heard about something like if we were um uh, and and it seems that perhaps we were already trying to think well okay we've lost these two let's try not to lose Robin van Persie who is really our the our star player. Oh, yeah. And but then um Obviously, as I agree with you, something strange must have happened because suddenly on the 31st of August, we just, um, the dam bursts open and we bring all these players.
0: And do you and- know what? I've just remembered before we go in and talk about that, that, that yeah. trolley dash, I remember that was the summer that we were very, very strongly linked with one Mata. Um, and it didn't happen for, I think, behind the scenes reasons. Um, right. between the scouting department and the whatever, there was some issue there. But I remember that was the summer where we were definitely being linked with Juan Mata, which would have been a good signing in the context of the departures that we were expecting, you know, with Fabregas and, and Nasri going, adding Juan Mata to your squad, as hard as it would have been uh, and was to lose Fabregas and, and to a much lesser extent, Nasri adding, matter would have been a decent transfer in that in that summer but it didn't happen Mm,
1: I I have to say you you know I I know I know Juan um, quite well and um, we have never spoken about that Um, I mean when he was it was quite clear to when when we spoke about it because he wrote his book with me so Mm. when we talked about his coming to England because he was at the time still playing for Valencia he was part of That's that right, yeah, 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 and he was part of that magnificent uh, attacking trident that they had at the time um, but it was quite clear that it was going to be Chelsea that you know that he would be going yeah. to and that I, it might not it might have been I mean, he would have been a perfect Wenger
0: player, to be honest. Oh, I agree. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh,
1: and um, and uh, at that time, he was certainly one of the most—I um, mean, I think—loveliest attacking midfielders in Europe, and as he showed actually uh, afterwards with um, with our neighbours and and foes. But anyway, um, mm.
0: let's let's happen. do the trolley dash.
1: And and yes, and we said we went to the supermarket and and we brought back a a very strange, (laughs) it's a bit like, you know, like those restaurants on on a Sunday night. You go there and you have those surprise packages and you you pay five quid and you might get a couple of croissants and you might get a beef wellington. I don't know. You don't know what you're going to get. And what we got, we got uh, Parchu Young. Remember him? I do. We got André Shanto- Santos. I remember him well. And, of course, we got two players who left a, a different kind of um, imprint at Arsenal. Uh, our big fucking German Perma Tezaka yes. and, and Mikel Arteta, of course. And uh,
0: Yossi Benayoun
1: as well on, on loan. On loan, yes. On loan. And we shouldn't forget as well that uh, Hector Bellerin joined us that summer. But it, that is to uh, to join the academy that's yeah yeah a little while and and Joel Campbell remember him as well Joel at at times was looked really really promising
0: but spent about four years on loan and actually that was that was another element of that summer which I'd forgotten about but now that you mention it immediate flashback my my photo album you know we we spent a long time that summer negotiating the deal for Joel Campbell and if I remember there were all kinds of issues with with Dick Law um, being in Costa Rica and And as is not uncommon in football, players, um, when they're on the verge of a move, there are all kinds of people who pop up out of the the shadows to say they have some involvement or some representation of a player. And I think it was a a complicated situation. But when you consider everything else that was going on, Mm. it, it didn't look good for our main transfer guy to be spending that much time on that when there were more pressing issues, you know?
1: Yeah. But um, I think it gave the tone for for that particular season, which was a strange one, and mm. was again a season of, of, of ups and downs, and and the rest of the year was also ups and downs. More, I mean, quite a few downs to start with. Yeah. Um, I mean, a bad defeat in the London North London derby, mm. uh, which is never a nice thing. Uh, that was that was in October. Was that um, a three-two? A two-two-one. It was okay. To when I think Kyle Walker scored a a rare goal, as they say. And there was a high, though, uh, which was that hilarious win at Chelsea.
0: (laughs) Well, John Terry fell over. Yes. That was that one, yeah. It was not the best
1: of times for John Terry, because you might remember that it was very shortly after the uh, fracas about his uh, exchanges uh, with Anton Ferdinand.
0: Mm. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm
1: and uh it was a very satisfying win if a completely crazy one it must be said um uh, with Robin scoring a hat Patrick that day Andre yeah, Santos
0: absolutely. scored a goal he'd he um what's the phrase he'd endured a torrid time in the first half the Brazilian <laughs> and, and he spanked in a goal quite early in the second half and and it was just an incredible win um you know the van Persie goal there was also the one when Theo Walcott in you know, one of the most archetypal Theo moments ever was running through, fell over, everyone stopped because they thought, well, what's he fallen over for? Is he dived? Is the ref going to give a free kick? And quick thinking, Theo got up, took a touch and spanked it beyond Petr Cech. It was an amazing game. I remember the <laughs> the, the 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 emotions I had after that game. But I, I'd, I'd just like to go back um, mm. before we finish here just to talk a little bit about that two players. The two players... Um, that came in that trolley dash. When you think about where they are now, Mikel Arteta is the manager of Arsenal. Per Mertesacker is the head of the academy and by all accounts doing a a fantastic job on a football level and also on on a very human level with the way he's working with these young men and preparing them for a life in football. And these guys came at a time when... When Arsenal were like we we you know you go to Old Trafford and get beaten 8-2 and you lose two of your best players you're in you're in a terrible state there's no yeah. two ways about it Arsenal were in a really terrible state and I think pound for pound when it comes to you know talent and um footballing ability and all that kind of stuff we have had better and more important players than Per Mertesacker and Mikel Arteta down the years and I don't say this in any way to be critical of them but I think in our modern history anyway, their impact, their professionalism, their quality, they were good players, went a long way to stabilizing the ship. And look, we never got back to where we wanted to go, but I think they, they, they righted the ship in a way and allowed us to sort of chug along for a little bit and then make some incremental improvements, which ultimately led to winning FA Cups that Arteta and Mertesacker were both very, very heavily involved in. And I think those two guys in particular were fundamental to just halting the the, the very sharp and marked decline that we could have experienced. And also um,
1: re-energizing the moral fulcrum of the club. Mm-hmm. Uh, per Maitazaka is, by all accounts, and, you know, the few dealings I've had with him, one of the most um, likable, um, smartest people I've ever met in football. Mm. Um, and Mikel Arteta is not very far behind that. But Per is a very, very very special man as well. And a perfect mentor, by the way, which explains the, perhaps a lot of the success he's having with, with our youngsters. Yeah. And um, also both of them, wonderful professionals um so yes i quite agree with you and and i'm a little bit not angry but um, i with myself for not thinking of that before uh, in those terms that it is quite remarkable that though spurred by a sense of desperation after an absolutely awful result which probably meant that deals which might have been thought of but perhaps for another transfer window were accelerated and these guys arrived. Yeah. It might very well be what it had been because you don't just you you can't in three days uh decide, oh you know what? We're going to buy permanent second Mikel Arteta. Yeah. <laughs> it doesn't happen like that. Um, unless you offer an absolutely huge humongous amount of money, which was not the case because both players taken together cost less than 10, 20 million pounds to bring to, to Arsenal, mm. which is, you know, considering what happened afterwards was a, a superb investment. So they must have been on the radar uh, for, for quite a while. And um, But it is remarkable. And, and that's one thing perhaps that we should realize that Wenger actually was quite good at doing that. He was actually a fairly good judge of character and judge of players. There there were some duds along the way, but generally the players either had the uh, technical ability or they had, well, they had technical ability as well, as well as a a moral dimension and professional dimension, which went beyond that. And um, yes, I agree with you. Maybe looking back in hindsight, this trolley dash was not as mad as it appeared at the time. And as mad as the first results seemed, you know, of the season, because it wasn't, it didn't immediately um, go well. I mean, we lost another crazy game at Blackburn. Oh, yeah. Um, That was um, September. Um, I I say crazy because two of the goals scored by Blackburn were scored by our (laughs) players, i.e. Alex Song and Laurent Koscielny. Um, So that was a bit crazy. And that's again, that's Arsenal. But then afterwards, yes, the ship was, uh, you know, um, got into calmer waters. And then we had a, a, a decent... Again, decent October uh, and, and November, so that that was cool. We'd gone through the uh, the hard, um, the choppy waters, and and you know things got a little bit better after that. Uh, be it actually uh, in um, in England or, or or actually in Europe as well, which we shouldn't forget.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Some some good results, a good win over Borussia Dormant. Yes, that the, was the big one because means
1: that we were topping the group mm-hmm. as well.
0: Uh, to set up another uh, wonderful tie with Barcelona or Be- uh, Bayern Munich. I can't remember who we got, actually.
1: One of the two, and we lost. <laughs>
0: <laughs> what a surprise. I think that's a safe bet for anybody doing any of these years. <laughs> did we play Bayern Munich or Barcelona? Though? Yes, yes we, we did, and we, did. we yes, lost. Yes, absolutely. We lost. I mean, I kind of, who, did, who, did we, uh, who did we play? <laughs> who did we play? No, 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 actually, you know what? We played Milan. Oh, that was the... Oh, and, we um, <laughs> and we lost.
1: And we lost. I'm not going to impinge on 2012, whoever is going to do that with you, but... That return leg was. Yeah. oh, my goodness! I really thought we were going to do it. I really, 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 really thought it's three 0 at halftime. Anyway, let's not. Um, let's not dwell. Let's, let's not, not dwell. go there. Let's but dwell. anyway, so we know that we finished the the, the, the season in, a, in in decent shape. When you think about it, mm. um, if I'm looking, we were back in the top four, which, considering that we were 17th after three rounds, is is quite remarkable. But we were in the top four for the first time actually. Uh, um, in uh, in in that season, on the thirty on New Year's Eve, mm. uh, we beat QPR. Uh, another goal by Robin, of course. Of course, uh, I think and, set a um, that year, and didn't we, we were fourth. And Robin, who um, established a new all-time record for an Arsenal player of number of goals scored in a calendar year, so there you which go. of course means nothing, as we know, because we're proper football people. Yes, uh, but still. Um, 35 goals in 2011 is not to be sniffed at. Just one goal behind Alan Shearer's record of 36. So uh, Robin had been absolutely astonishing, in this, which is another thing we, we have to remember, is that throughout this whole topsy-turvy roller coaster Helder-Skelter year, there was one player who was always there when we needed him. Mm. And it was Robin. He was just... Yeah,
0: he yeah. was unbelievable. I remember... He was unbelievable. The, the goal against Everton... Um, where I think it was Alex Song chipped a ball over the top, and he just hit it on the volley. Or came over his shoulder, and he hit it, you know, into the bottom corner. It was almost like a trademark goal for him at that point, and he was yeah because it's called the same anyway. one at Charlton, yeah, you- yeah, just unbelievable, unbelievable that year. Okay, well, look, we will leave it there. It's um, it's been, <laughs> it's been an experience reliving this one, and and it's quite interesting to consider that. You know, between 2011 and and now 2022, uh, 11 years later, that connection between the the craziest transfer summer in Arsenal's history and uh, you know the the top level of our club uh, yeah. still exists. I don't think it's anyone would have predicted that. It. It yes, really absolutely, it is. Anyway, listen, Philippe, thank you very much indeed. Really enjoyed it. Me too, Andrew. Thank you very much. hell of a year 2011 Philippe is on Twitter at Philippe Eau Claire. that is at Philippe Eau Claire. our journey through 20 years of Arsenal and Arsblog continues in the next episode for now though thank you for listening to this one hope you enjoyed it and we'll catch you on the next one